I have changed the name of my podcast to What Dogs Have Taught Me. I have been trying to kind of sum up how I feel about dogs and why I love doing what I do, which is rehabilitating and training dogs and their people. And to be honest, I love doing it because dogs give me hope. They give me good feelings about the future, and they've made me a better person. And I think they also have the potential to make the human race better if we can take a minute and appreciate the dog for what it is and look at the lessons dogs have to teach us. I owe this to the dogs and the lessons I have learned while rehabilitating and training dogs and their people. So I thought the title, What Dogs Have Taught Me, was more appropriate than my business name because honestly, it's much bigger than just my business and what dogs have taught me and probably lots of other people are priceless lessons that have improved our lives, enhanced our lives, made us better people. Some of the podcasts I'll do are more lighthearted and more practical. And then some of them are going to be a little deeper and explore some deeper meanings of what dogs have to teach us and what we can learn from them. The rest of this talk will go over some examples of the things dogs have taught me. But I will take a deep dive into each of these topics in upcoming podcasts and videos on my YouTube channel, What Dogs Have Taught Me. The examples I'm going to share with you about what dogs have taught me are not the typical unconditional love stuff that we hear all the time about dogs. This just makes the dog out to be a mindless giving machine to us. Dogs are so much more complicated than just having unconditional love. They have indeed evolved over centuries to work with humans. Breeds differ and temperaments differ within the range of dogs. But dogs don't believe in unconditional love, and honestly, neither should we. Dogs do give love and devotion easier than many humans do, but they don't give the deep love and belonging to just anyone. To many dogs, you have to prove yourself worthy to get to that level of connection. How one is worthy to a dog is similar to how one can be worthy to the people around you. The dogs that have taught me most about this and how to truly become worthy to a dog are the dogs on the aloof or fearful feral end of the spectrum. With these dogs, you have to earn it, and it means more to me if it takes effort. One thing dogs have taught me is how to set boundaries in my life fairly and clearly without insulting or being mean to others. I certainly didn't understand how to do this when I was younger. I would allow myself to be taken advantage of or not express my wishes clearly, and then I would blow up at people because I felt resentment. Working with dogs has taught me to be a better parent. I almost wish I would have had a dog before I had kids, but if I would have gotten a dog early in my life, I probably wouldn't have been ready to learn some of these lessons. I got my first dog when I was 40 years old. My daughter was eight and my son was 10. My husband had gotten to a point in the military where we didn't have to move around anymore, and I wanted to add a dog to our life. When I was little, I had a dog named Clyde that was my constant companion. We moved around quite a bit when I was young, and that dog helped me through feeling lonely and some tough times. So I wanted to have a dog to give my kids that similar feeling. I think dogs helped me become a better parent because I learned how to set boundaries clearer 
with my children. Hopefully my kids will say that's true. Little did I know the dog that we added would teach me a lot about setting boundaries. She was a fantastic dog with her pack members. She never growled at my kids, never put her teeth on my children, and allowed my kids to love her unconditionally. But what she also did was take charge and not let visitors in the home. She became quite aggressive on walks and pulled me over to several dogs so she could attack them and also drug me into a tree one day to chase a cat. She was 95 pounds, so she was quite a handful. And at the time, I didn't know how to walk her safely. So what I learned from hiring my dog trainer friend and also just working with Annie was how to set clear and firm boundaries, but also to reward good behavior. Rewards and setting boundaries in dog training can sometimes be a little on the extreme end. On one hand, you have people saying that if you set any boundaries in telling a dog no, you must be an abuser. And then if you reward a dog, that reward has to be with food or some kind of excitement. On the other hand, there are a lot of trainers that rely way too much on control. They limit the dog's freedom extensively instead of teaching the dog how to behave when allowed freedom. It's the old, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail thought process. And honestly, this isn't being a good leader or does not embody any of the lessons dogs have to teach us. For some people, having a dog is all about having something to control. What I found, though, is that dogs will do things that we ask of them if we ask clearly, and they receive a reward that is valuable to them. This may or may not be food. Dogs value belonging to a social pack that provides them safety, security, and protection. We humans also value this, and it's quite evident dogs can teach us to really value safety and security over material things and use that as a reward. Belonging to a pack or a family group is a reward because you're mutually benefiting each other. Dogs taught me about trust. I learned how to build relationships with dogs that are super fearful and it allowed me to learn more about the dogs and what a real dog is. And what they taught me about trust is that it's built over time, doing things together that are mutually beneficial. Dogs don't necessarily value material items as much as they do belonging to a social pack. Dogs taught me not to hold a grudge. They taught me to not overreact, how to change my internal energy. They taught me how to give and forgive. Dogs taught me how to be stable and calm. I was on this journey initially because when I was younger, I was a bit explosive at times if I got angry. Part of it was learning better strategies to express myself, but I also went to yoga for years. Yoga was a big teacher for me in this realm because in yoga, you have to learn how to breathe and you have to learn how to hold uh, sometimes uncomfortable or complicated poses. And if you let your mind wander, you might fall over. Breathing allows you to hold these uncomfortable or challenging poses without getting stressed out. 
breathing actually can calm down the vagus nervous system better than meditation. I've learned that to help the dogs I was meeting through rescue and training, I had to become very stable and calm, or I could not help the dogs. If I get worked up in any way, my dogs will usually let me know. If I'm at the shelter working with a fearful or feral dog, and that dog is having a hard time, I have to remain stable and calm. If I start getting frustrated or feeling embarrassed because the dog may not be as doing, doing as well as I would like him to, the dog will sense that change in my internal energy and I won't be able to help that dog as well. Dogs really trust people whose internal energy aligns with their external behavior. So I learned very quickly, I could not fool the dogs into thinking I was calm or thinking I knew what I was doing. I had to actually convince myself and change my mind to match the behaviors I was doing externally. And that way, everything made sense to the dog and they could trust me. For some reason, I was willing to learn this skill with dogs better than I was with the people around me. And I hope the people around me benefited since I learned this skill with dogs. I learned how to be a leader to the dogs. My dog Annie, that I mentioned before, would not have followed weakness. She was born a natural leader. She was born a natural protector of her pack. And she was only doing what she thought she should until I learned how to communicate with her that that was not her job. But I couldn't be overbearing or demanding of Annie. She was a very strong dog, and I had to form more of a cooperative relationship with her instead of just overly controlling her. I had to honor her place as well and who she was. Another story that comes to mind is a story about a husky that I had for nine days at a workshop through CHRI when I first got chicory. I had never felt so rejected in my life. (laughs) This dog was very confident. He wasn't something that I normally had worked with a lot. He was very aloof. He was not aggressive in any way, but he really didn't give a crap about me and if I was there or not. And in this class, the challenge is to learn how to connect with a dog without using any traditional training techniques, such as collars, harnesses, treats, obedience training, and things like that. So I had to figure out how to connect with this dog that really saw no benefit of cooperating with me. Every day when we went to class, he would want to check the perimeter of the area we were having class in. So the first two days, I just kind of let him do his thing and followed him because I had to learn what was important to this dog. And what he did was go to the corners of the fenced-in area around the building and stand in each corner and look out and survey his kingdom, probably, (laughs) and survey the land for any kind of danger and just to see what was going on that day. And so when I got there the third day, I realized this was what was important to Chicory. 
And not only did I join him in that, but I actually beat him to it a little bit. So I led him to the corners that he wanted to go to. And I joined him in looking out and surveying the land. And this gave me incredible insight to how important safety was to this dog. Chicory was a born leader. He was a born dominant dog. And I ended up being very honored that I got to work with him because he was truly amazing. Dominant dogs do not come around all the time. They are actually a minority in the dog group because if everyone wanted to be a leader, there would be an awful lot of conflict. So I think it's estimated that 8% of dogs are actually born leaders of the pack genetically. Chicory, I believe, was one of those. And that's partially why he was so aloof, because he was the leader, and I was his follower for the first two days. (laughs) And then I joined him in that. I didn't try to stop him from going to the corners. I didn't try to make him heal with me and follow me. Before I joined him in that, he was not very interested in doing anything with me, such as climbing up and down on rocks or going over, you know, obstacles or joining me in walks or anything like that. He would pretty much just be at the end of his leash, like pulling me along. But after I joined him in what was important to him, it was like a light bulb went off in his head and he's like, oh my gosh, this lady gets me right? She's joining me in what is important to me. And that was so, such a big lesson for me, because up until that point, I think I was still in the mindset about, you know, what can the dog do for me, right? What is the dog going to do to make me feel better? I was a victim of the unconditional love myth that we are taught about dogs. And at that point, I realized what it was all about. And it was actually about going into the dog's world in this way and joining them. And then you become relevant and important. And then that dog is so much more willing to cooperate with me and doing things that I asked him to do. And I have videos of me going up and down a ladder with him and all kinds of things that he would refuse to do before I joined him surveying the property. So that dog taught me a lot about leadership and how you can get a dog's attention without doing a lot of typical traditional training methods. And honestly, it happened so much faster. It was so much more efficient and it was so much deeper than traditional training methods could have been that it changed my direction in training. It also taught me how important feeling safe was in people giving back to you. If people don't feel safe with me, whether it be my clients or the people at the shelter that I'm, that I'm working with, uh, one way I can connect with them is to kind of join them in their world, see things from their perspective and empathize with them And it has to be real. You can't fake it. You know, you really have to learn how to reach down into yourself and find that part that you can relate to other beings. And then it'll help them relate to you and you can join a better group. 
dogs have taught me a ton of peaceful negotiation and that winning isn't everything all the time. Annie didn't have to bully dogs to get their respect and to get them to follow her. It was just who she was. And honestly, she was a lot less controlling than my little beta dog, Chardonnay. That's because Annie was a true leader. And Chardonnay is a little insecure, so she feels she has to be a little bit overly controlling of people and dogs. So watching the different dogs come through my house, which is probably between 250 and 300 dogs by now, has really given me appreciation for how dogs can live together. They form a negotiation process and they come to an understanding that's amenable to both parties. If they didn't have this ability, they would constantly be fighting with each other and that is not safe for anybody. I think people could learn a lot about watching dogs and how they negotiate and what they find important and what they don't. A lot of times people argue about things that aren't really that important. They spend a lot of time on things that really don't serve them and improve their situation in life. And dogs won't do that. They won't expend energy on things that aren't going to improve their survival. They taught me an awful lot about that and how to let go of some of the control that I wanted to have over things. And having control actually relates to having trust. So if you don't trust something, you want to control it. And so this is all a circular pattern and lessons that dogs have taught me as well. One of the big lessons dogs have taught me is that we are enough just by ourselves. I think people diminish dogs to being, in a way, greedy or needing some kind of material reward to cooperate with humans. And they don't. They're very happy to do things to better their situation, to ensure safety in the pack, to get resources they need to survive, and also just the joy of cooperating with people. One example is that my dogs discovered the juniper berries on the trees here. They could reach them just fine by themselves, and they would pull berries off and eat them and have a good time snacking. But when I went over to help them, by lowering the branches for them so they could reach the higher branches. They were so happy about that. And they weren't getting anything more from that than they could get by themselves, except that I was joining them. And they like to be social creatures. I think a lot of it, too, is that a lot of people don't feel very secure in their self-worth. And so, therefore, they don't see why a dog would work with them without bribing them for food all the time. I'm here to tell you that in your dog's eyes, you are usually enough. Granted, dogs love food. They love doing tricks for food. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with obedience training or anything. But there's a deeper level here that I think a lot of people are missing, which is that dogs usually want to avoid conflict. They want to belong to a social stable pack and they want to just have a good life. 
They don't care about having uber amounts of treats or lots of excitement. In fact, lots of excitement and toys can cause other behavioral issues. And if your timing isn't great with food, you're going to cause other behavioral issues too. I was at the Grand Canyon two days ago, and I was walking my three dogs along the rim trail. And at one point, I was in kind of a busy area, and there were lots of people with other dogs. All the other dogs there were reacting to my dogs. And I must say, I was very proud of my dogs because they ignored the other dogs. And if they did look at the other dogs that were barking at them, I just went, come on, guys. And they just kept walking. Why did they keep walking and not react? One, because they know I'm not going to put them in danger. I've proven to them over time that I'm going to protect them. I'm not going to let other dogs rush up to them. I'm not going to you know, allow people to come touch them that they don't want to be touched by. I provide a nice, calm living situation. They're also used to following me on leash, which is more of a mental state than necessarily physical strength or physical state. Because I wasn't worried about those dogs barking at my dogs, and I just kept walking and said, come on, guys. They just followed me. They didn't have a lot of choice in the matter at that point. I was moving, but they just came along happily because over time I've taught them if they just increase distance between themselves and the other dog that's barking at them, they're going to feel better. And that's a reward. We don't need to give them food to create a reward. By thinking that dogs need constant food rewards is actually diminishing the intelligence of the dog and honestly making them a bit shallow. And they're not shallow creatures. What I also found funny about this was all the people whose dogs were reacting towards me were sitting there trying to give their dog treats and using positive reinforcement only. And it wasn't working. So either the people that were trying to distract their dogs with the treats were not doing what the trainer had told them. Because I know it's possible to train dogs to do lots of things with food rewards. But if your timing isn't right, if you don't have a relationship with your dog, where the dog will listen to you anyway, and you don't have that deep connection with your dogs, getting the dog to behave the way you want it to is always going to be more difficult. And I think a lot of training misses that deep connection with the dog, where the dog trusts you to guide it towards safety. It trusts you to follow you along the rim of the Grand Canyon when it used to be feral and is scared of strangers. And this doesn't come easy. I'm not saying it's just easy. I've worked on this for 14 years, and I consider it a life quest of mine to keep improving myself by how my dogs view me. They're kind of my my scale, if you want to say, right? Like, how am I feeling today? How are my dogs acting? Am I a worthy leader or not to them? I can tell if they're following me or not. If they're acting up one day, maybe I need to do a little internal check on myself. Am I stressed out for some reason? Am I angry about something? One time I was mad at my husband and I was using a slightly raised voice towards him. And I realized all the dogs had left the room. 
And that was my key to me that I needed to chill out because my energy was so poor that my dogs left. They just wanted out of there. This is how dogs have taught me to become, I hope, a better person. I consider their feedback very valuable. Another thing they've taught me is to see the beauty in a dog for what it is, not what we want from it and not what we're told it is through social media and fur baby syndrome and all kinds of things. If we really love dogs, we're going to let them be who they are and appreciate them for who they are. They are predators that live with us. They are descended from wolves. To deny that and to treat them as though they are mindless beings that will do anything for food and just live with us and give us affection and do everything we want to serve us is frankly missing the point of the dog's existence. I watch fearful and feral dogs that become willing to cooperate with me after a few sessions And I'm just overwhelmed by the amazing qualities of these dogs. They're willing to give, cooperate, and learn from a stranger. They're willing to participate with me. The way that they are just so willing to do this, even though they've been mistreated by people, or they've never been around people, or never touched by people, or put on a leash, it just humbles me because they're just so much more giving and willing to let go of their egos I don't even know if the dogs have egos, but they're just so much more willing to change than we are. It shows me that we need to let go of our egos. We need to let go of having to hold on to being right and just do what is best for us so we can grow. I see humans that hold on to victimization. They hold on to martyrdom. They hold on to anxiety and fear much longer than dogs do. Dogs always want to feel better. Once they learn how to feel better, they will usually go. And I say usually. I could say always. I would say 99.9% of dogs (laughs) will go to a place that makes them feel better. I've seen dogs that have extreme anxiety. And once they learn how to be calm, they learn that feels much better than being anxious. And then they always want to go to being calm. So if I teach a dog how to avoid conflict by going to sniff a bush and I'm in between that dog and the conflict, that dog just learned how to feel better. And really, that's the reward. The reward is surviving and the reward is feeling safe. Humans tend to think they have something to gain by holding on to the victimization, the martyrdom, the anxiety and the fear and the egos. We really don't. Those things really don't serve us. The more I learn from dogs, the more I'm trying to let go of that myself. Dogs do not improve their situation by holding on to anxiety, fear, or even aggressive behavior. It's just sometimes because they live with humans and we send them conflicting messages that they think that's what they're supposed to do or they're even encouraged for that behavior. I see a lot of this behavior in my clients, potential adopters, and dog trainers that need help or ask for help, but they don't implement the changes they need to do to help the dog. If these clients would make the changes, the changes and skills they learn to help their dogs would help them not just with their dog, but in life. Sometimes I share with my clients that learning how to help your dog, truly learning 
how to help by becoming what the dog needs for him or her to succeed will help you become a better person. And a lot of times people look at me like I'm crazy (laughs) because they don't know what I'm talking about or I sound like some kind of, you know, weirdo. But after doing this for 14 years, I can honestly say that dogs have helped me become a better person. And perhaps I keep working with them because they help me improve. And again, that feels good because I'm feeling better, right? I'm feeling less anxious, less angry, less all of these things because I'm working with dogs. So maybe this is the true reason dogs exist in current society. Maybe they're here to help teach us how to become better people. They're not here to teach us how to dump all of our problems on them. They're not here to teach us how to become angrier with each other and more divided with each other. Dogs, they actually want to cooperate with each other. They really don't want to fight. And they have a very good way of communicating that actually avoids fighting. You know, maybe dogs are here to help us see how we can become better humans. And sometimes I feel like that message is being totally missed. That we're not appreciating dogs for all that they are telling us and trying to teach us. We're keeping it very surface. We're not digging deep about the real reason that dogs could be here. If we dig, go there and we dig deep and we take a hard look at ourselves and examine why our dogs are acting the way we are, it can be a little scary at times to take a deep dive. You know, sometimes I videotape myself when I'm training dogs. Even that can be a little humbling because I can see where I missed some opportunities or maybe my timing wasn't great. Oh, and by the way, if any dog trainer out there says they never miss opportunities and their timing's perfect, run for the hills because they're doing exactly what I'm talking about here that dogs should teach us not to do. So intelligent, they're so perceptive, they're so quick to pick up on the energy of people. And if those people mean good or bad to them, dogs also assess if they can trust or not trust the energy to keep them safe. So they may like a person just fine, but if they trust that person is a different matter. They trust their instincts. And as people, we don't trust our instincts. We try to rationalize our instincts. How many people have I talked to that have dogs in their homes that are a threat to their children? And they don't even have the instinct for the survival of their own offspring. And sometimes all it takes is to get that dog off the furniture or to keep the dog on a leash for a while and teach the dog how to behave. But the people aren't willing to do that to spare their own child. And then usually what happens is they don't listen. And then in a few months, there's a phone call saying the dog bit the kid again. And this is the kind of thing that I'm just baffled by as to why people won't do the necessary leadership actions of setting boundaries with their dog and probably with their kids because the kids are also doing things they shouldn't be doing 
to form a safe, coherent group that everyone can live peacefully in. Dogs can teach us how to do that. They can teach us how to set boundaries fairly that actually benefits everyone. And yet we are not listening. We either want to love the dog all the time, and it's just there for us to touch and make us feel good. Or on the flip side, there's a lot of animal abuse still happening in the world. Dogs have also taught me a ton about teaching people and how people operate because the way I train, I go into people's homes and I work with them privately and I get to meet a lot of people. I'm also pretty active in dog trainer groups and I go to workshops and I teach workshops. And so I've met a lot of people doing this. I'm also active in dog rescue. I work with several dog rescue groups, uh, but mostly one in particular. It's an interesting conundrum when you do this kind of work because I've met some of the most amazing people that I consider very dear friends. They're reliable, they're ethical, they're honorable, they have integrity, and their motives are purely to help dogs. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the network that I have and the shelter I go to volunteer for and the rescue that I volunteer for. There is a level of respect there. And I hope that we all know that each one of us has pure intentions and intentions because we want to do the right thing for the dogs. And that I can always get along with. What I have trouble getting along with is when people turn this into a competition or battles between opposing sides. Dogs suffer when people morph dogs into something they're not. Extremism is never good, and there is a lot of it out there, and it's hurting the dogs. Dogs suffer when people try to use dog training to elevate their methods and maybe themselves as the only way. And this happens on all sides of the training spectrum. Dogs suffer when we take away their innate qualities and treat them as fragile creatures that will shrivel up and cower if we tell them no fairly and clearly. This simply goes against what dogs are and how they communicate with each other. Animal welfare involves allowing creatures to do their natural behaviors. And if we are not training dogs according to their natural behaviors, then are we really providing the best training to them? One of the things that is so beautiful about dogs and that they do so amazingly better than people, is to bounce back. They're resilient. They don't hold grudges. They can overcome extreme adversity, horrible treatment, and become happy if we just get out of their way and stop limiting them by making them fit into some kind of box that they're not made to fit into. People think they know best, and I'm sure most people out there are trying to do their best. A lot of times there is a resistance to exploring other ideas in what I do. And also what dogs have taught me is that I need to be very, very diverse in my knowledge because each dog is an individual. I need to be very flexible in how I can work with a dog depending on what that dog needs at the time. I'm not worried about conforming to any organization's rules or protocols that limit my ability to help that dog in the moment. I'm competent enough to use many different tools and methods that will help the dog become a better, happier dog 
in the shortest amount of time. And I know a lot of people listening are going to be like, oh, that means she must be abusing the dog because that's what we hear, right? Anything that doesn't involve treats must be abuse. It's gotten to the point where it's just kind of ridiculous is in an extreme. What has happened is that there has been great limitations set on dog training techniques by certain camps. And anyone that does anything different is not understood and therefore called names and accused of abusing dogs. I was going to teach a workshop in Idaho and a trainer there in that location decided to badmouth me to other people. And because he was not familiar with my methods and he didn't understand what I was doing, he told everyone not to attend the workshop. And this was a real shame because a lot of the people that may have attended probably work with fearful and feral dogs. And I have a way to help these dogs quicker by forming a connection with them like I did with Chicory. And because people don't understand how that can be done or they don't believe it can be done, they therefore discount it. So that was a real loss for who? It was a loss for the dogs in that area that could have been helped by how I rehab fearful and feral dogs. And this person had never met me and was simply judging me based on the fact that I didn't belong to a certain group of dog trainers. And so therefore what I was doing must be unethical, which is just, it's just ridiculous, you know? So that kind of stuff needs to stop because ultimately dogs pay the price. Lots of fearful and feral dogs are euthanized because people don't know how to help them. And then this trickles down to the dog owners who then become afraid to explore different ways to train their dogs that might help their dog improve. I get a lot of calls from clients that have, that are really, truly afraid to tell their dog no in any way, shape or form. And I'm not talking about telling a dog no versus harsh treatment. I'm just talking about simply saying, uh-uh, don't go potty in the house. Uh-uh, don't try and bite the mailman. You know, don't attack the cat. Um, they honestly think that that is going to damage their dog permanently and make their dog aggressive and fearful. And this is where we have to step back and go, wow, is this reasonable? Is this something reasonable to believe from 14 years of watching dogs come into my pack? I can tell you that the first thing dogs do is set boundaries with each other. And they all respect it. They all understand it. And they all fall in line and have a good time and live in peace because of it. I would encourage everyone, uh, especially those in Idaho, that thought about maybe coming to my workshop last year to attend the one in June. Um, we're doing it again, and hopefully more people will be brave enough to attend and learn a new, improved, more efficient way to help fearful and feral dogs thrive. And I'm using the word brave, not as an insult, but because I do know it is hard to go against the grain. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot lately and a lot throughout my life. And it is tough, but I will say it's very rewarding too. People let emotions get in the way of training their dog 
and project their own emotional issues onto the dogs. If we just let that go and stop involving ourselves into what dogs are capable of, what we think their limit should be, the dogs can expand. They can be fantastic. They can overcome. We just have to get out of their way. So honestly, working with dogs and the amazing people that I've met in this profession gives me great hope for humanity. But then on the flip side, some of the stuff I've seen going on on the extreme spectrums of dog training and also in the way that dogs are still being treated either through neglect, ignorance, or abuse, this sort of thing gives me real concern for the future of humanity. But then when I go and work at the shelter or work with the rescue or even just have a phone call with a fantastic client, it gives me great hope for humanity. I plan to do some podcasts coming up featuring some of my colleagues, my friends, my family maybe. I'm going to try and find people who are a little bit behind the scenes but have very valuable information and lessons. And I've also learned a lot of life lessons through working with dogs. So dogs have taught me so much. And I'm so grateful to the lessons they have been patient enough for me to understand. (laughs) It's taken 14 years and counting. They've taught me how to be more peaceful with myself, with others, and especially with them. And to have great appreciation for dogs in general and their abilities that honestly we're not so great at as humans. There's a common saying that humans are the only creatures that will follow unstable leaders. And this is true because animals will die if they do that. If their leader is overly aggressive, that leader puts their dog at risk for injury, not just from them, but from other beings. If you have a leader that's constantly fighting with others, that leader is antagonizing other creatures, where if that leader would solve the issues differently it wouldn't put the followers in harm's way. However, if the leader is too weak, the dogs won't be able to feel safe. They'll feel like they have to do all the protecting and survival on their own. They wouldn't be able to have food. They won't have stability. And so the dogs may become anxious or a little more fearful themselves or maybe overly reactive because they have to make up for the shortcomings of the people they live with. I hope this conversation has sparked some sparked some thoughts and some interest in where this podcast is going to go. I know I'm super excited about it, and I hope you'll join me in exploring some of these concepts further. Stay tuned and subscribe to my podcast so you get to hear the next episodes. My guests and I share some of the life lessons we've learned from dogs. If you want more information about my training and my workshops, I have a website, hearttoheartcanine.com. It's spelled H-A-R-T, like my last name, the number two, H-E-A-R-T, like your heart, canine spelt out, C-A-N-I-N-E.com. And please check out my YouTube channel and my podcasts. And I also have Facebook page and Instagram. So please check those out to be aware of the latest podcasts coming out and also some other learning opportunities I'm going to present. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Also, feel free to write in what you may have learned from your dog. I'm curious to hear what others have found by working with dogs and how dogs have helped their life. Thank you so much.